I'm a planner and a list maker, but I've got to say that until I read this week's book, I never thought that parents needed to have a plan to deal with their kids every online interaction. But now I know better. And I hope that you'll get this book and look at the online power tools that its author shares with you. Even if you think you've got your kids' internet access all under control, I'd be willing to bet that this episode will deliver some eye-opening information that is completely new to you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, private investigator Lori Morrison, and this week I'm going to bring you more information from the world of true crime, and then we'll see where what we've learned intersects with our faith. I hope you'll join forces with me to answer what I think is every Christian's calling, and that's to be a different kind of PI, a person of impact. Even if you don't have kids yet or your kiddos are all grown up like mine, I want you to practice the one critical action step that we'll talk about in the podcast. It will make all of us safer online. This is Season 3, Episode 24. Our book this week is The Online World, and I was so lucky to get its author, Renya Moncarius, to join us and talk about these power tools that she's come up with. Let's dive right in. Sammy Chapman is Forever 16. He was a high school football player and an excellent student. And back in February of 2021, while his family was still sheltering in place due to California's COVID-19 restrictions, they were waiting that Sunday night to watch the Super Bowl. Sammy's mom had some errands to run with her youngest son. And as she was leaving, her middle child, Sammy, asked if they could talk when she got back about an internship that he was interested in. Of course, she agreed that they would, but they never got to have that conversation. Because when she got back home, her youngest son found his brother unconscious on the floor of his room. Sammy's dad did CPR while his mom called 911. Oh, I hope nobody listening has ever had to do CPR on a loved one, let alone their child. Sammy couldn't be revived. For reasons that no one could fathom, Sammy used Snapchat to order a pill. Just one pill. Thanks to GPS on our phones, Dealers can find and deliver drugs that they hope will become a steady habit in our lives right to our doors or just down the street. Those of us who are a little older and hopefully a little wiser, we know that kids don't always stop to think that there's not any kind of safety controls over the production of illegal drugs. What Sammy bought was laced with fentanyl. He never stood a chance. Like Sammy, Lindsay was part of a loving and stable family. And also like Sammy, she was active on Snapchat. And that's where a human trafficker found her and targeted her. He was patient, a little interaction here, a little comment there. And finally, Lindsay unknowingly gave him the chance he was looking for. She'd been at the gym when she saw online that a friend of hers was having a party. And she knew that her parents were very careful. They watched where her phone was. So she left it in their car at the gym and caught a ride to the party with a friend. When it was time to get back to the gym to retrieve her parents' car and head home, no one at the party was willing to take her. So she did what lots and lots of teens will do. She put out a message to her online friends asking for a ride. The trafficker saw it and picked Lindsay up at the party. She was drugged, branded, and raped repeatedly in the weeks that it took law enforcement to find her. She made one lapse in judgment, one mistake, 
and her life is never going to be the same again. If you love the Unlovely Truths content and you want more, you want exclusive access to things no one else can see, head to my website and join the membership community. You've got two options. You can pay monthly, $7 a month, or you can save a couple of months worth and buy a whole year's worth of access for just $70. You'll be supporting the mission and ministry of the Unlovely Truth and getting some great extra exclusive content. It's so tempting for us to hear these stories about Sammy and Lindsay and think that things like this are just really rare. But unfortunately, the statistics say otherwise. I want us to look at some truly shocking stats about what kids and teens are doing online. Pre-COVID, nearly 40% of kids under 13 years old had either sent or received a sext. Now that's either a message, a picture, or a video that's at best suggestive, and at worst, it's sexually explicit. Just under 4% of 10-year-old girls have been asked by someone to send a nude photograph of themselves. 10-year-old girls. Dating apps don't even ask for verification of age, and some even target kids as young as 12 years old. According to the FBI, There are roughly half a million online predators every single day, and they are targeting multiple kids. Nearly 60% of teens have been bullied online, and authorities estimate that 82% of sexual crimes against children start online. Okay, you moms with boys, we're going to end with one more stat that is so, so important for you to hear. I know that you've taught your boys to respect women. But again, we're talking about kids. They don't always make the greatest decisions because the truth is that by the age of 18, 93% of our young men have been exposed to internet pornography. We've just got to get our heads out of the sand and really be proactive about what this is doing to our society. And the good news is that's exactly why today's guest wrote this book. She's a mom an attorney, a public safety expert, and she's the CEO of Crime Stoppers Houston. Rania Mancarius has made it a personal mission to serve families, and this book is just one way that she does that. Rania, thank you so much for joining us. I I've just been so excited from the moment that I read this book to share these tips with people because they're so practical and there's so many there. We'll never get to all of them, but we'll just, we'll hit some of the highlights. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, I'm so excited to be here, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you just, you have, like I said, very, very practical ideas, which I appreciate tremendously. And you very, very eloquently state in your book that one of your goals is to remove false narratives. Yeah. And I I think that's important. And we have to know practically how to do that. And I think that one of these, one of the very biggest false narratives is that we think we know which platforms are safe and which ones aren't. So I want to ask you, are any of them totally safe? 
or can we at least find ways to navigate them safely? Well, those false narratives, or as I call them, parenting myths, are what we all sort of tell ourselves so that we can feel somewhat more comfortable about this reality we're all forced to deal with, but actually none of us know how to navigate. Um, And here's the thing. Are there any platforms that are really, really, really safe? I mean, they all have the potential to be safe, but they all also have the potential to be incredibly dangerous. So you're looking at apps and platforms. I'll say even let's just look at text messaging. Um, you think, well, it's text messaging as a com- digital, you know, a written conversation between two people who know each other. That's fine. Uh, but my one of my kids just got a new gadget and it had a phone number attached to it. And she's getting all of these unwanted texts and unwanted images from the person who had the gadget before. I mean, their previous contacts and their previous connections. And so she's being exposed to stuff to the point that we're saying, gosh, we might have to change this phone number. So I say that because it's a reminder that the technology can take us anywhere and have us be exposed to literally anyone and anything. So I don't I don't end up saying that anything is ultimately safe. And that's a great reminder to everybody, especially like you experienced. If you've gotten something that's been previously used, it hasn't been wiped, or if you're selling something that you've used, make sure you get that, I would say professionally wiped, because I know if I tried to do it myself, (laughs) I would not know how to get everything off of there. And I certainly don't want to give away everything in your book because I want people to get this book. I really, really do. I think it's that good. But you do give what you're calling a four-point strategy for keeping kids, and I, I would say even really us grown-ups, safer online. But how, how did you come up with that plan? Well, it's interesting because after years and years of doing this work, and I've run uh, you know, one of the largest public safety nonprofits, I've run it now for 16 years, and my, my passion has always been kid safety, like in safety in the schools, thwarting active, active shooters, keeping kids safe online and at home. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with kids who are online and just using technology. And over the past five years, I found myself with a lot of young adults. And, I, and I'm saying like middle school, late elementary school, middle school to high school that will say, Rania, I have found myself on a place online. Um, I, I have no idea how I got here. I don't know how I gave the photo. I don't know how I gave the information. I don't know how I started talking to this person. I don't know how I got in this chat room. I don't know how I got on this side of the app. I don't know how I got here and I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble. And I've talked to so many parents that are like, I'm trying to keep up with the technology. I, I, I'm trying, but as soon as I learn about, you know, this app, then now all of a sudden they're all on that app and I'm still trying to figure out, okay, now I figure out that app, they're gone. They're, they're doing a game and I cannot keep up with it. And um, a lot of experts that say, look, the space is so dangerous, which I agree, it is. Uh, we just have to keep all our kids off. And that's not realistic. All you're doing essentially there is having your kids navigate this dangerous space on their own. Uh, because our parents, you know, parents say, hey, they're off. We're going to keep them off. They're off. They're off. They're off. When they're really not off. So I wanted solutions. I wanted solutions that parents would say, I absolutely get that. And, I'll, and it makes sense today and it makes sense tomorrow. And solutions that our kids would say, I, I buy into that. That, I, I get it. I'm, it makes sense to me and I'm going to apply it. So the kids, through conversations, experiences, stories, 
um, and spending a lot of time really just diving into this area, I created what I call four power tools that I think really will, in a very unique way, um, sum up this space and give us a road map to stay safe and in, in the techno and within technology and in the online world. I mention a lot on my podcast that I think that especially as believers, which is a lot of my audience, we can be exceptionally naive. Yes. We can think that, you know, everybody is good, especially everybody in our little circle. But you really point out a lot of statistics that I think most people would find hard to believe, but I I want them to know that these things are true. Like the fact that the vast majority of parents have really no idea what their kids are doing online. Yeah, We might think we do, or we might just be sticking our heads in the sand and trying to comfort ourselves thinking that we do. But is that where we need to start? Just being aware of what's going on? I think that's 100%. Well, where we really need to start is getting parents on the same page. So whoever you know is raising the children in the home, so mom and dad, single mom, single dad, Um, If there's a nanny involved, a coach, an aunt, an uncle, whoever the core people are in your children's lives, you all have to be on the same page. So the family has to have rules and you need to tell those in your life that, you know, have a touch point with your children, that those are the family rules. And I'll give you a quick example. I've talked to some families that say, no, my husband and I either have never talked about this. Well, that's not good because, you know, you don't have a family plan or they have a family plan and they are all on the same page, but they leave their kids with a babysitter and come home and find that their kids are filming TikTok videos with the babysitter because they never shared the plan with the babysitter. So we need those to be, all of those to be on the same page. Next step would be, we've got to do a reality check. We've got to do an uncomfortable, shocking, jaw-dropping reality check of what, the, of, of a few facts. One, our kids will, t- will connect. They will. You can limit the phone. You can limit technology. That's fine. They're going to connect on their friends' phones, on their school gadgets, um, on their PlayStations. They're going to connect. Um, and so we have to understand what those connections look like and what they're potentially going to be exposed to. And that's hard. That's hard, especially, like you said, for the Christian community or any devout religious community. Um, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, if you're really devout, you sort of put up this wall and think, you know, we're shielding ourselves constantly in our family practices. You know, our kids go to a certain school. We're in a gated community. We have very strict values at home. Great. But none of that applies in the online space. None of it. You can't gate anything off. You can't shield your kids. So you've got to have a good idea of what, what that world looks like. And then you got to have a very, a very structured path to navigate it. And again, one that you understand that doesn't change over time. And of course, it grows with your family over time and one that your kids buy into. Oh, I agree 100% because, you know, just like you put up a fence around your yard, things can still fly over it. Yeah. There's there's always a way in. People who are determined to be a predator, they're going to find a way in. Absolutely. And, you know, you make this wonderful point about the online world that I think really applies uh, to the, the offline world as well. Often we will allow our kids to navigate situations that are simply beyond their maturity level. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought about that a lot when I read that and I thought, 
you know, why? Why do we overestimate what our kids can really handle and what they can't? Well, I think it's it's actually the fact that we're we're reshaping the narrative. So we're not saying, you know, we're going to let our kids handle stuff they're not mature enough for. What we're telling ourselves is, you know, I don't think that stuff's really going to come their way. Therefore, we don't really need to talk about it with them. And what I wanted to challenge parents to do is think the opposite. Well, I think, I think that stuff really could come their way, or it may come their way, or it may not come their way. That said, I want to make sure my kids are equipped. I never want my children to be caught in a situation where it's the first time they've thought it through. It's the first time they've had to come up with a strategy. It's their first time to think about how to navigate an exit. I want them to think it through beforehand and then pray that they never, ever face it or it never comes their way. Um, I often give the example of like Halloween. Parents will say, well, when do I know, you know, if my child's old enough to go trick-or-treating alone? And I always say, well, what type of conversations are you willing to have? You know, do they trick-or-treat with friends? Are they going to go off on a beaten path by themselves? What if somebody invites them into the house? What if they approach a house where all the lights are turned off? What are the rules? What if somebody says, hey, we want to walk with you and it's a group that's not known to them? If you can talk about all that stuff with your child and your child can say, oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, this is what I would do. Huh, I didn't think about that, but I'm glad you brought it. Then you're, you know, you're preparing your child for whatever might come their way. If you put, bring it up with your child and your child's like, I don't want to talk about it. That's weird. That's wrong. That's gross. Well, your child's probably not mature enough. They are answering, your, they are answering the question for you. They're not mature enough to go alone. Um, if you're saying, I don't want to scare my child. I don't want to have those conversations with my child. Then you certainly shouldn't be asking the question on whether or not your kids should be going out alone. Um, So for me, preparation is always the key. Giving them tools that hopefully they'll never need, but I I promise you they most likely will to stay safe wherever they are. I would agree. I I think it's it's very naive, and, and I get it. I get that we don't ever want to picture someone we love being in a dangerous situation. And so we'd rather just not think about it. Yes. But at the same time, you know, statistically, these things happen and they happen everywhere. Yes. And cases that I've worked, I'm telling you, it is everywhere. So you mentioned earlier, you know, we live in this neighborhood or our kids go to this school. None of that is going to completely insulate your kids. It just, it won't. And so much better having those uncomfortable conversations. Um, of course, you know, I was the mom going, you know, you see that van? That's the kind of van yeah. <laughs> someone <laughs> will use if they want to reach out and snatch somebody. And my kids are like, mom. And I'm like, it happens. I want yeah. you to know that it happens. Okay. But uh, That's so funny. We all, I think all, any of us who work in this space can't help, but want to overly prepare our children. But then I think of people who don't work in this space. And like you said, some, you know, kind of just put your head in the sand. And I try to say, but you know, have you ever flown with your kids? And people say, yeah. And I'll say, well, do you like cover their eyes and ears when they do like the emergency, you know, procedures at takeoff? And it's like, no, why would I do that? Well, the chances of being in an incident are one, I mean, it's so low. But yet you prepare, you want, everybody wants to pay attention because why not? 
So why don't we do that with life? Why don't we do that with, with technology and all these other things? Yes, it's complicated. Yes, it's overwhelming. Yes, it seems too big to grasp. But I tried to make it where it was really small digestible bites that literally, you know, one part of the book, I took 2.2 million apps and literally boiled them down into 16 rules, 16 rules that should cover anything that you come up with or you face, because we want to go from big picture to, you know, tangible buckets that we can all navigate. We can, we can navigate this space and we can do it safely. And I would say to anyone who's thinking, oh gosh, that feels overwhelming. Learn about it anyway and start using two tips. Yeah. And then when you're comfortable with those, add two more. This is not something that is all or nothing. I kept telling the publisher, I said, I want to write the what to expect when you're expecting book. Do you remember? Yes. You know, I had one of those. (laughs) We all had one of those. I want to write that book for the online world. So you might sit and read the whole thing, page one till the end. You might say, no, I just want to skip to sort of like the brain, brain chemistry and, and body development, or no, I just want to stick, look at the part on gaming or just on the four tools. Um, you may want to read it with your child or, you know, or read it alone with your, with your partner. I really wanted it to be used as a tool, however you need it for your family. Well, and it's not all about our kids' behavior online. You mentioned um, a term that I I loved it the minute I saw it. I had not heard of it. Sharenting. And, you know, we do. We love to post those cute little pics and, and brag about our kids' accomplishments. So help us understand why that can potentially be harmful. Well, it, sharenting is the concept of parents oversharing their children's information. 92% of two-year-olds have an online presence because mom and dad are posting their photos you know, all the time. And, and by the way, it's the best. It's so cute when they're your friends and you see them and they're, you know, six month pictures, one year picture, you know, first day at kindergarten type picture, um, holding the signs, you know, little Lindsay's going to first grade. Her teacher's Miss Smith. She loves ballet. She wants to be an astronaut. She loves going to rumble high rumble, you know, rumble stone elementary school. Fine. That's so cute. But also once you put it out there, that's there for everyone to see. Everyone, everyone. And you're giving your children a fingerprint. You're giving them a digital presence. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, we're going to make sure you can never be online and you can't be in the online space. Well, half, half, everyone's already seen them in their diapers. So it's, it's not a consistent message. And I'm not blaming parents who share it. We all have done it. What I'm saying is understand we all share understand we all put information out there. We are the biggest culprits in that sometimes when it comes to our children. So let's, let's understand that our kids too will want to have an online presence at some point. And we have to have a consistency from day one till the end. And it's not hard. It's actually not hard to do. We just have to be really consistent in the way we think about this space and and handle it. And I don't want to freak anybody out, but when you're sharing pictures of your cute little kids in their bathing suits or their their leotards for gymnastics or dance or whatever, pedophiles actually collect those. Yes. And so, you know, just ponder that. Think about that yes. when That's you're true. posting. Now, I know that as an attorney, 
you know about liability and responsibility. But are platforms really doing all they can to protect users or have they managed to shield themselves from a lot of liability with, um, you know, different groups that are, are advocating on their behalf? Well, we know they're certainly shielded from liability, and that's Section 230. They are shielded from liability. Uh, Their whole premise is we make the technology available, but we don't take ownership for what you post or whoever else posts. We just open, we have the real estate for whatever happens. Uh, We also know that they make money based on eyeballs. So it's not in their financial interest to be cutting out information that trends and gains viewership. Um, We know that highly sexual content gains viewership. Sometimes violent um, content gains viewership. Um, Outrageous behavior gains viewership. That's just a fact. And so, again, they don't have an interest to shield that type of information. So that myth there's one of my seven myths is that, you know, surely at the end of the day, there's going to be safeguards in place. You know, what I can't figure out technology is going to step in and protect my children from. It's not true. Uh, There was a a Wall Street uh, Journal study done, I believe, and I I talk about it in my book, where they created a 13-year-old. So it was a bot. It wasn't a real child. And they had the 13-year-old search for OnlyFans. And, you know, right now, OnlyFans is a highly sexualized platform um, that, you know, allows users to gain access to an individual, pay money for content directly. And so what that 13-year-old's TikTok page started to do was feed that 13-year-old highly sexual, pornographic, and drug-related content. Why? It's a 13-year-old. It's a 13-year-old bot. They said, well, our algorithms feed you what we think you want to see. And that 13-year-old looked for sexual content. So that 13-year-old's going to be spoon-fed sexual content. At the end of the study, there were over 560 videos on sexual activity and over 100 videos on drugs fed to a 13-year-old. So that's the space we're dealing with. And again, it's why experts, my colleagues will say, we just have to keep kids off the platforms. I, I agree. And if there was truly a way to do it, I am all for it. That said, where there isn't a way to truly do it, we've got to have a plan to keep our kids safe. I couldn't agree with you more. And at the end of the day, it should be on the parents. Yeah. I, know it's, I know it's a lot of work to keep up with everything, but there are kids. And so at the end of the day, we're responsible for their safety, not whatever platform puts out whatever they're putting out because I'm not even going to say one because by the time the episode airs, there will be more and they will have changed. So I just, again, please, especially if you're a parent of teenagers or younger, get this book, The Online World, what you think you know and what you don't. You will learn so, so much. And what's up next for you? I, I know advocacy is such a big part of who you are. Yes, I love the work I get to do at Crime Stoppers of Houston. We are we have one of the safe, largest safe school institutes. We're, um, you know, in classrooms here in, in Texas and Houston and, and across the, the state. But we also do a lot of virtual trainings. Um, we want kids to be safe wherever they find themselves, whether in school, at home, 
you know, at, on an after-school job or on the playground. That's very, very important to us. Uh, social media and the online space is a personal interest, and so I'll be doing more work in this area, looking to talk to kids and parents um, who are interested in keeping themselves safe. Everything we do is free. You know, we're proud to do the work we do, um, and I don't see technology going anywhere. I, I, I want us to, to rise with it, but be safe as we do it. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's a passion. I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. I really, really love this. And I, and I appreciate you highlighting the book because I, it was a, it was a sort of a love letter to my family and to yours and, and to all kids everywhere. And it was built based off of talking to other kids who would literally say, you know, I never thought of it that way. All this time I've been, you know, I tell kids posts like a celebrity and it's like, parents are like, what on earth are you saying? But when I explain it to kids, they go, gosh, I never noticed. I never thought about that. I get that. And so that's, I want to see those light bulbs go off and kids stay safe proactively. Yes. And if you want to know what posting like a celebrity is, you've got to get the book. You've got to read it. So, and if you really, really like this content, we have more in the members area. So be sure you check out that opportunity. Thank you again, Rania, for joining us. Um, it was just such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you. The Bible verse that I want us to read and think about and meditate on for this week is Proverbs twenty-seven twelve, And I'm going to read the version from the New Living Translation. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. This is already a pretty short verse, but I think we can boil it down even further and still really capture the essence of its meaning. What I would say is take precautions or suffer the consequences, which leads us to that practical action step that I talked about at the opening of this episode. Taking precautions and being proactive is such excellent advice especially for those of us whose prefrontal cortex is fully developed. That's the part of our brains that think rationally. And in most people, it isn't even fully formed until about the age of 25. Teenagers use their amygdala to process information. That's the area of the brain associated with emotions. Teens tend to focus in the moment without thinking about the potential pitfalls of certain choices, and they overlook some safety hazards altogether. If you've ever had a teen, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to share a very easy way to boost your own personal online and real world safety and that of your family and friends. And it's only going to take a couple of minutes. Let's all hide the location of our phone for most of the apps that we use. So if you've got an iPhone, go to the settings, then privacy. From there, go to location services. Now look at all the options you have. You can tell your phone to never share your location while you're on certain apps, and you can tell it to only use your location when you're using that particular app. You know, stuff like maps. Most important is selecting never for your camera. So pictures that you post don't give away where you are and where you live. Now, when you're done with that, round up everyone you care about and get them to do the same thing. If you're working with a different kind of phone, not an iPhone, a quick Google search of the question, how do I hide location information on my phone, should show you what you need to do. 
I double checked my settings and I even made a couple of adjustments. Again, I cannot recommend the online world enough. It is so practical, so down to earth, so full of really up-to-date, tangible information that you will love it. There's a link for you to get your own copy in the show notes, along with ways that you can connect with Rainia. And don't forget, there's also links to join the membership community if you want exclusive access to extra content. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. Music is by Neil Cortex, and the artwork is by Shelby Highland. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.